0: One of the things about Jeff, if you come here, one, you know he's a fabulous pastor, an incredible speaker, but you know about his family. You hear all these little kids' stories and the whole bit, and two weeks ago, he just totally had me crying at that last story at the end. If you weren't here, listen to it and then take tears with you. But I thought, you know, as a speaker, i I speak here a lot, this is probably the seventh, eighth time this year speaking here, um, I don't have little kids' stories. I'm an old guy, okay? Anybody in here over 40? Raise your hand. All right, see, there's old people here. A lot of people come here, oh, it's such a young church. No, there's geezers like me here, okay? And, uh, and so I don't, have, oh, I don't have little kid stories, but I have big kid stories, okay? And two weeks ago, um, this is what happened to me, okay? This is a, I just brought some show and tell, okay? Yeah, I'm the one in the suit, by the way, in case you're confused, This is my oldest, uh, Tori. She got married two weeks ago. And uh, this is the dude that she married. That's still actually what I call him, the dude. Go ahead to the next one, guys. Boom, boom. There you go. That's, uh, That's John. And they're very, very happy. And this is my smoking hot wife, me and her walking down. She's going all Hollywood on us, you know, wearing her sunglasses just to hide the tears. But that was, that was, um, that, those are my little kids' stories. And they just got back from their honeymoon a couple days ago in Tahiti. Oh yeah, Tahiti. Like, apparently Hawaii wasn't good enough for them. They had to go to Tahiti. Not that I'm bitter at all, because Kathy and I, 30 years ago, we had a great time on our honeymoon in in Fresno. Uh, (laughs) But they were opening some presents at our house. And afterwards... Um, John and I were watching the NBA championship game. And, uh, and I thought it, as we were watching, okay, this is like, this is like son-in-law, father-in-law time. And, and I've actually never called him until just now. I've never called him my son-in-law before. I've actually called him the dude that's marrying my daughter who's not good enough to marry my daughter. But, he, you know, nobody is, but he's the best of the worst. So... Um, <laughs> We're watching the game and it realized—I dawned on me there is such a difference between the younger generation and the older generation. Partly because we're watching the game. I'm just, I'm just asking questions out loud. Like, I, you know, I wonder how old LeBron James is. And that place looks packed. I wonder how much it, it, it seats. And how did they get Usher to sing the national anthem? And before I'm like done... He's going, LeBron James is 30 years old, the arena seats 20,500, and Usher's parents live in Akron, Ohio. I'm like, what? What? And I look back and he's, you know, me, 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 you know, he's just totally nerding out on, it, on his phone. And I thought, that is, that is one of the major differences is because the, the younger generation, they don't have to work for answers. They don't even know what an encyclopedia is. They can't navigate an almanac, okay? I mean, it's just, we're a culture of instant answers. And for some of us, you know, I've tried to play that game because I have an iPhone so I, I can talk to Siri. But either Siri is an idiot or I'm an idiot because Siri, does anybody else have problems with Siri? Let me see. Oh, yeah, many of you. Because I'll be like, hey, Siri, is Christmas on Sunday this year? Christmas is on December 25th, Doug. I, well, I, I know. I just want to know if it was on Sunday. Or I did one about food allergies, a uh, list of food allergies. Siri comes back. There are 15 casinos in Nevada. You know, I'm like, where did that come from? Quit using my name, Siri. I hate you. And when you tell Siri, I hate you, Siri says, I am here for you, Doug. So that's, that's the world. Now, let's be honest. For most of us in here... We wish, when it comes to our faith, we wish that we could treat God like we treat this little phone, right? I mean, we wish that we could be a people who if we had questions and we needed answers, that God would give them to us immediately because we are an instant information culture. Like, God, who will I marry? God, will my marriage ever get better? God, who, you know, am I always going to feel this way? God, I don't know what to do with my, my kids. God, when are we going to get pregnant? God, what is the date of my anniversary? You know, whatever it is, we, we, we live in this immediate response culture. But unfortunately, God doesn't work that way. And so our ability to... Listen to God's direction to discern what he wants to say to us oftentimes is very confusing. Now, when there are this many people in a room, here's what I know to be true. We are at different places spiritually. For some of you, you, are, you got it all together. I mean, you're spiritually, you are, you're, you're way up there. I mean, you're like Jesus Jr. and congratulations. okay? You, you know, you got it together. And then there's others who you're struggling and stumbling. You're trying to follow Jesus, but it's just like it's confusing and you like parts of your old lifestyle. You're not exactly sure. You're, you're kind of in this, this stumbling, struggling area. And there's others of you over here that you're... Um, You're just getting started. You're curious. You're investigating. You're wondering, is this God thing real? What is faith? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and everybody in between? So no matter where you are spiritually, what I don't want to do is we talk about listening is I don't want to assume my knowledge onto you. So I want to start with some real basic stuff as we're really in part three of this series on listening. And let me just go real basic. God has a history of speaking to his people. Okay? Not in an audible voice, unless you're very, very drunk. Okay? But God has a history of speaking to his people. But most of us in here, if we were really honest, we don't think it's an accessible voice. We think that, yeah, sure, he probably speaks to his people, but he doesn't speak to me. And so we live in this tension, and the tension is, if God is speaking, but I'm not hearing His voice, one, I must not be loved by Him, or two, I must not be spiritual enough, because I'm not sensing his voice. I don't, I don't go, oh, this was really clear to me. Or we hear some people say, well, God spoke to me. And so I either think uh, I must not be loved by him or I must not be spiritual enough, that he only speaks to spiritual people and therefore he's hit the mute button on me. And if that describes you, let me just say I totally understand that. I totally understand that feeling. And actually it's a very defeating feeling And it affects our posture of how we actually approach God. And here's what i found to be true with people. And this describes many of us in here. If you or I don't feel like we can have access to God, if you or I don't feel like we can grow spiritually, what happens to our faith is our faith begins to drift. And very soon we drift into a place of what I call spiritual apathy. So, you know, I encounter in 30 years living in this community, I encounter a lot of people who say, you know, Doug, I desire to grow spiritually. I want to be faithful to the ways of, of Jesus, but either I'm not good enough or this whole thing, faith isn't working for me, or I'm not as spiritual as somebody else. And what happens is over time they develop what I would call a passionless faith. A passionless faith. That describes some of you. You have a passionless faith. And in a passionless faith, what happens is Jesus becomes just a, a nice addition to your life. And that it's, um, it's good. You know you need to be a part of a faith community. And so you stick around because God is good on, on your resume. And, and, and what I find is that is just such a, a sad and defeating position. And I don't, want, I don't want anybody to live a passionless faith. And if you're in a passionless faith, there are, there are ways out of a passionless faith. And one of the things that we're doing in this series as a church is we're trying to slow everybody down to say, hey, listen, listen, that God loves you so much to speak to you. I mean, week one, Jeff taught through John 10 and talks about where God, Jesus says, I am the shepherd and you are the sheep. And I know the sheep and I love the sheep and the sheep listen to my voice that God is talking to sheep. And sheep, what do we know about sheep? They're dumb, right? Sheep are very, very dumb. If you were to study sheep, which, you know, who hasn't? right? Uh, you know, they have very, very small brains. They're dumb animals. They're described as dumb animals. They just, they, 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 they run and they don't bend their knees. You've seen them run, you know, like, they, and they have knees. They don't bend, they're dumb, all right? They're dumb. But here's the reality of, of the dumb sheep, is the dumb sheep, even though they're dumb, they can still hear his voice. They can still hear his voice. Where does his voice come from? it comes from the Holy Spirit, which is what Mike talked about last week, and he gave us like this master's degree education on the Holy Spirit. It was just excellent, excellent content. So grab your notes, and what I want to do this week, I, I, I mean, I just being, being here for the last two weeks in terms of listening to content, I'm going, what can I talk about that hasn't been covered? And what I decided to do, a little risky, I think is I'm just going to take you on my own journey. I'm going to take you on my journey, the journey of Doug Fields, of how I have learned to listen to God's voice. It's been a 35-year journey. I came to Christ as a teenager. And I don't want to make it simple or simplistic. What I want to do is I just want to go through my journal of how I've learned to listen to God. And my prayer has been that somewhere in my story, there will be this aha for you. And you go, oh, that, I need, I need to consider that. I need to think about that. Okay? So let me just walk you through this with the prayer that I think God could speak to you today. First is this, and I didn't put numbers by them, but there are, there are five major learnings here. And the first is this, that I live with a sense of confidence That God wants to speak. That this is a this is the foundational posture that I embrace is that God's presence is in me through the Holy Spirit. And so for me, listening to God begins with this this foundation, this knowledge, this this confidence that God is not this distant deity, but that God is, is right. Here, he's close, he's personal. See, some Christians, they live their life as what I would call a um, a deist Christian. You know what a deist is? A deist is somebody who believes that God started this whole cosmos, that God got the whole thing kind of spinning, that God is deeply involved in creation, got the planet spinning, and then took off. That's what a deist is, that it was a God of a creation, but his God's not personal. So, for a lot of us, we live our lives, say, I'm a Christian, but really you're a Christian deist because you believe that God is so distant and inaccessible, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Okay? Take a look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 13. This represents dozens of verses, but where it says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? Where does God reside? And in the temple. And that spirit of God lives in you, that your body is a temple and the spirit of God lives within. See, when I have this foundational belief that God is here, that he's through the power of his spirit, he occupies residency, and I start with that foundation, well, then I approach him with a sense of confidence. This, use this stool for example. This stool, I approach this stool with confidence. I have no fear that this stool isn't going to hold me up okay? When I, when I look at this, I don't walk up to it and go, oh, whoa, whoa, what a weird-looking chair. It doesn't have a back. Maybe I'll fall. I, 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 no, I approach it with a sense of confidence, right? Because I know that even, even with my body, this stool will hold my body. Now, if I was to look at this mic stand, I might not approach the mic stand with the same idea to sit on that, Okay, that would be very uncomfortable, and if I tried, I would not try it in front of a crowd, and uh, I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't do it, okay? Now, I don't approach, I don't approach that stool with, with anticipation, I don't approach with fear, like, oh, God, I, I, I wonder if. No, I approach it with a sense of confidence. And for some of us in here, we've got to get our faith to that place of confidence where we... We know and believe, and it's foundational that God's Spirit is here and wants to speak to us. Because think about it. Let me just give you some questions to noodle on. If God promises occupancy, okay, residency, a word in the Bible is used a lot as dwelling, if He promises occupancy in the life of a follower, Don't you think he would care about the direction of that life? Absolutely. That does God's spirit occupy my life so that I can wander alone and waste it? Or does God's spirit occupy my life to guide me, to direct me, to influence me, and and therefore I can approach him with confidence? So in my journey, that's foundational. And that took a long time time of my journey is to realize that, oh, God is here. He's not this distant deity. And because he's here, he wants to lead me and guide me. Secondly, is I hear God's voice when I experience freedom. I hear God's voice when I experience freedom. And this one is a little bit obscure, so track with me. Okay. Um, When I was six years old, my parents went motorhome shopping Okay. Does anybody in here have a motorhome or had a motorhome when they were a kid growing up? Let me see. Okay. For some of you that have had the motorhome experience, you know that the bathrooms are really not much bigger than this, this stool. I mean, the motorhome bathrooms are very, very small. And we went to like this motorhome mega land where when we were buying this motorhome, my parents just went in hundreds. It felt like hundreds of motorhomes. And for whatever reason, as a six-year-old my job, to scout out the bathrooms. I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I just figured they wanted my opinion of what I thought of the bathroom. I figured my dad spends a lot of time there. I love my dad. I'm going to make sure that he's happy. So we would go into the motorhomes, and I would just go into the bathroom and shut the door and just sit there for a while and kind of look around and kind of take it all in the whole bit and then walk out and give my opinion and go to the next one. So we're walking through these, these motorhomes and I go in the, one of these motorhomes and I go into the bathroom and I shut the door and I lock it. Hey, okay? My parents leave. I can't get out. I've locked myself into a motorhome bathroom, one motorhome and a lot of, it felt like thousands of motorhomes. My parents continue on. I don't know what went through their mind. Like, Oh, maybe Doug's out playing with his sisters or something like that. Because they never came looking for me. I was trapped in there for nine days. No, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it felt like forever. Okay? I'm crying. I'm banging on the door. They just continued on. I don't remember how long it was, but I swear it felt like forever. When they finally found me, they actually had to take off the door to get me out of this, this bathroom. That traumatic experience in my life. Now, let me fast forward to today. For some of you, when you have nightmares, you have nightmares of like heights or spiders or scary clowns, you know, that type of thing. I have nightmares of being trapped. And when I have a nightmare... I am. I am, and I was worried about even using this illustration because I, when I went to bed last night, I literally I prayed more to Jesus that I wouldn't have a nightmare about being trapped than I did for this message. I was. I, I just. But when I have a nightmare, I'm trapped and I can't get out of this space, and I panic. And eventually, I wake up because I've urinated on myself. Is basically, don't judge. All right. And, and but this this feeling of being trapped. And here's what happens when you're trapped. You panic. You don't focus. You don't look for solutions. You don't, you don't hear other voices. And for some of us in here, and maybe nobody's ever brought this to your attention before, but spiritually, you're trapped. You're trapped. And I put in your notes some options of places you might actually be trapped. You might be trapped in your sin where you need freedom from that sin. That there is a sin in your life that you know what you've done you're just not dealing with it anymore it's become so part of who you are that instead of dealing with it instead of asking for forgiveness of it you continue to live in that sin and play the jesus card and then you wonder because you, you, that sin is there you wonder why you're not hearing the voice of god You've actually grown deaf to the voice because you're trapped with that sin. And if you're choosing that sin, that disobedience, it makes all the sense in the world that you wouldn't hear the voice of God. Because God is not going to compete with that sin. For some of you in here, you need the freedom of comparison. That really what your life has been about is you're comparing yourself to other people. You're comparing yourself to them spiritually, financially, relationally. And you're, what's happening is you're putting your eyes on humans rather than putting your eyes on God. And so your focus is not on listening to God or following Jesus. Your focus is always on other people. And some of you need to be freed from that, that trap. Others of you is the freedom of negative tapes or messages. Jeff talked about this two weeks ago, where some of you in here, you're living tapes that you're not good enough, that God doesn't love you enough, that your bad messages are of yourself and of God, and it's a misunderstanding of who God is, and, and you're trapped. You need freedom from that. And so, and then I put a fourth one in there, the freedom of blank. I don't know what it is. I'm not assuming I can, I can know everyone's, where everyone is trapped. I know that in my own life. I find freedom when I deal with sin right away. And I know that I've sinned, I've messed up, I've been disobedient, whatever it is, and that's when you know I need to I confess it, and I beg for God's for, forgiveness. And what happens in my life, again, I'm taking you on my journey. There's a connection between me and God. There's a a peace. There's an intimacy. There's an increased awareness of his presence. And what happens is I'm more attuned to listen. See, friends, there is something beautiful about living your faith free. Free. That you've been forgiven You've been set on a new path, a path to to follow Jesus, and there's something beautiful about that freedom. And I hope for some of you in here, you'll take this homework assignment and read Romans chapter 8 this week. But what I want to do is I've just taken some of the verses of of Romans chapter 8, and I just want us to read this with the idea of how God's Spirit frees us up. And look at the result of this, starting in verse 1. It says, so now there is no condemnation. Big word that means blame, sentence, judgment. There's no judgment for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Let's just close in prayer right now on that one, okay? There is no judgment for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, watch the result. The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives where? Within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I know this is a long verse. Hang with me. Watch this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. For some of you that have a pen, you need to underline that phrase. Adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, which is daddy. We call him daddy, father. There's this intimacy. For the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I love this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. That you and I, we are the heirs to the father. It's a beautiful picture of adoption. We are an heir to the father. We have a dear friend who is uh, adopting a child from Haiti. In the process, the child hasn't come back. They're going through all the legal stuff. It's been about a two-year process. And this child... And the language that we're talking about is trapped in this, this orphanage. And it's okay, the child's surviving, but the child is trapped in, in, in poverty. There's some pain associated with the, the situation. There is a dismal future for this child, but this child is about to be rescued and adopted and then will become the heir... To this new family. It's a beautiful picture, and that's what happens to us spiritually that we are adopted. And some of you that are trapped, please, please hear this as, as gently as I can say this. God is not distant from you. God is not distant from you. Okay? That He's just not competing with the sin that you're choosing, okay? Because he's already freed you of that sin by dying on the cross. He's already forgiven you of that sin, And an opportunity, he's given you an opportunity to be rescued for that. So some of us in here, we're not hearing the voice of God because we're making decisions to trap ourselves and we're not living in the freedom that Christ has to offer, all right? Heady, it's heady stuff, all right? So let me continue in the journey is in the journey of listening to God's voice. Um, the third action, or the third way that I hear is I hear God's voice when I find quiet. Okay? When I find quiet. This is the third week in, the, in a row for this particular point to be mentioned in different ways. Jeff said it different, Mike said it different, but the reality is quiet is an essential ingredient for both listening listening and spiritual growth. But in a, in a world where noise is everywhere, some of us just can't handle silence because we've conditioned our lives to need noise. Think about your own world for a minute. You wake up to noise. Some of you have music in your shower. You shower with noise. There's always noise on in the house. You get in your car and you make sure there's more noise. There's work noise. After work, we go home. There's human noise. We actually have to turn up our electronic noise to, you know, flush out human noise at times. When we want to relax, sometimes we'll go. You know, I live in, right out in the, by the the mountains, the canyons, the saddleback mountains. We go walk in nature, but we put on headphones to listen to noise, and then we can't fall asleep. So we download nature sounds, you know, in order to sleep. Right? We're psycho. Okay? We're we're psycho people. Two weeks ago, when Jeff gave us the one minute, does anybody remember this? Jeff gave us one minute of silence. Now, that was wedding day, so I wasn't here that day, but I listened to it on my run. When I go running, I listen to messages. Okay? When I, I shouldn't say running. I should say jogging because running indicates some form of speed. So when I go jogging, I listen to messages. And I listen to messages because if I concentrate on the words, <laughs> I don't have to concentrate on how much I hate running and how much my body hurts. So the more words, the better. And I actually have a player where I can speed up the words. So Jeff sounds like a chipmunk. And and it just and it just I don't mean and I'm like, oh, I just I just keep running. Okay, I listen to the words. Then Jeff gives us that one minute of silence. And I thought I was gonna die. I'm like, get over this minute. I mean, come on. My, my body hurt, I felt like it was mile 25 of a marathon. I mean, we we just we just hate noise or silence. And one thing, and this is a little radical for you to experience quiet. Some of you are not going to like me, and I understand. That's okay. Is you've got to find times where you turn this off. Okay? You've got to turn this off. And especially those of you who always have it connected, and you wear, like, the little earpiece, and you, like, walk through town with that thing, satellite dish from your cranium. You're a dork if you do that, all right? <laughs> 1995 call, take it off, put it in your fanny pack, all right? At some point, <laughs> at some point, we got to learn to... to Remove ourselves from this because this is noise. And if it's not verbal noise, it is activity noise that we are always on. And because of this, we don't experience any solitude. Years, many, many, many years ago, slaves used to wear earrings to indicate that they were part of a a, uh, plantation, something where they would say, oh, you you belong to that master because of that earring. I think there's a common day metaphor there. For some of us, we are slaves to this. This has become our, our master. And we're going to experience quiet. We need to figure out how to separate ourselves, even for short amounts. I'm only talking minutes. And for some of you, are like, I can't do that, Doug. You're nice, but you know, I'd rather tithe more at church than get rid of my phone. Okay, I, 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 I understand. Now, I want you to understand a little bit why I'm pushing for this, this quiet. Is In the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Elijah, and Elijah did some pretty amazing things. I mean, I'm talking wild stuff, and I I hope if you have time this week, you'll read what Elijah did, because it's an incredible story, but I want to take you to the end of the story. After he does these incredible things for God, it's a winning thing, he gets scared, and he runs away, and he tries to hide from God, but I want you to notice where God meets him, okay? Let's take a look. First Kings 19. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said to him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And I want you to see this because I think for some of us, we've got to understand that God speaks, but this is the sound of his voice. It's a gentle whisper. If you turn your notes over, I I put there that most Bible translators use a soft whisper, or hardly a sound. And I gave you some other translations that I just thought were interesting for us to consider the voice of God. There was a sound, thin and quiet. That's in the contemporary English Bible. There was a quiet, gentle sound in the New Century Version. In the King James Version, <laughs> this may be the only verse I like in the whole version, it is that it is, his voice was a still, small voice. I love that picture, a still, small voice. Notice, it wasn't in the noise, and it wasn't in the activity. The voice of God came in a gentle voice. And I often wonder how many times, and I'm sure thousands over 35 years of following Jesus, how many times I've missed the still, small voice of God because I was too noisy. See in church world what we've done is we've tried to teach people to have a time that is quiet. And we call it what? A quiet time. We're very smart that way, okay? And and why a quiet time? Why quiet? Because here's how God speaks to me. Through a thought, through an impression, that I just can't shake this through a a leading that I have. And I only am able to hear that, to sense that, to feel that when there's quiet in my life. Now, I'm sure most of you have, like me, have studied the life of monks. And uh, in a book titled Elements of a Benedictine Life, here's what it says. I just think this is fascinating. Before we can listen, Before we can truly hear the word of God addressed to our hearts, the spirit and practice of silence is essential. Silence for the monk is not a rejection of the neighbor, but rather a recollected attentiveness to what lies at the heart of reality once all the noisy clutter of daily life is cleared away. Only one who has learned how to be silent, who has learned how to go beyond the noise from inside and outside himself, will be able to hear the cry of others as well as the call of God. So if silence is not part of your life resume, let me just give you a little challenge. Here's the challenge. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes, try this. All sound off, all vibrators, beepers, all the stuff that is going to distract you when somebody texts off, okay? And you're in a place where you're just still. You allow your life to slow down, to just be quiet, because it's probably going to take about five minutes just to not freak out. And then I encourage you just to take a little spiral-bound notebook, a journal, whatever you want, and write, okay? Some of you will be tempted to type, and you may want to, but for me, I don't, because I don't want messages popping up and stuff like that, and I'm too dumb to know how to turn them off. I've asked Siri, and Siri doesn't know. Uh, but you just write. And here's, here's what I write. Yesterday, I, dot, dot, dot. That's it. Yesterday, I. And then I just, I write down in almost a bullet point list of what I did yesterday, who I talked to, because... What I have found in this discipline is that God was trying to speak to me yesterday. And I was too busy. I was too loud. I was too moving. And there are oftentimes, not every day, but oftentimes I'll go, oh, you were trying to get my attention. Or I missed that opportunity to love that person or to serve that person or to engage with that person. See, if we really have the foundational confidence, right, the confidence that God is dwelling and that he's guiding, we have to have some time where we sit and we listen and we sense, okay? And again, I know some of you are like, okay, I got to have, you know, what about Christian music? And I would say, okay, pipe down, Luke Praise walker. You just have no music, okay? Just because just you're distracted by the word, just, just find some, some quiet, okay? Now, if all of this fails, these first three, if all of this fails, and you want to hear God's voice, and you're saying, okay, Doug, I tried the quiet thing for tw- two days, and you know, it just didn't happen. When all else fails, go to the fourth one, where I hear God's voice when I read God's word, okay? That is the most simple way to know God's voice, is to read God's word. Now it's complex, it's difficult. If you need help to get started, we'd be happy to help you. Just maybe even start by reading the words of Jesus. Some of you have never read the words of Jesus. Start in the book of John or Matthew, one of the gospels, and just read the words of Jesus. This is his love letter to us. That quiet and discerning in your life may be too complex. So we'll go to the make it a habit of what I would call listening with your eyes. That's reading. You're listening with your eyes. And in Psalm 119, there's a great passage on um, just the challenge to read God's word. And I want you to read this in a, I think it's a beautiful paraphrase. It says, Psalm 119, it says, How can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs that you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your ways of wise living. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I delight far more in what you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. I ponder every morsel of wisdom from you. I tentatively watch how you've done it. I relish everything you've told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. See, friends, living God's way is not for the spiritually elite. It's not. God's word and God's way is found in God's word. What does it say? Read the map, look for the road signs, and then hide his promises in your heart. And finally, for me, the last way that I know that I've heard God's voice is I reveal that I listen to God's voice when I obey. That if you sense a leaning, um, an impression on your heart, there's a thought of something that you should do, obey it. Now here's how you know, you know, Mike talked about this last week, how you know it's from God and it's not just the burrito you ate, is that if it brings glory to God, it might be God's voice, okay, to obey it. Years ago, I was at LA Fitness and I was running on a treadmill. And this guy comes up to me and says, God told me I should give you $20. And I said, oh, it's so funny because God said you should give me $1,000. So, you know, when, no, I didn't say that, but I, I just went, oh, you know, you don't just keep running. Thank you. You know, see you. And so I, you know, stop. And I, and, and he just said, he just had this impression, didn't know me. Okay. It was a little weird. There wasn't any need in my life. for I mean, it wasn't like my kids were like, dad, Cancel your membership at LA Fitness so you can feed us. You know, it wasn't anything like that. I didn't need that, that 20, but here's what I respected. I respected that that guy was obedient, okay, obedient to that. And that's not the only way of obedience is giving money, but obeying is a big part of listening. Remember when you would fight with your parents, and your parents would say, don't you, you, you didn't listen. I heard what you said, but you didn't do anything about it. That's the doing part of listening. In James chapter one, it says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. Today, we have an opportunity to listen and do. That today is a big day for our little church. As Jeff has so graciously prepared our community to serve, we get an opportunity to serve God today by proving that we listen and we move out into the community. And in your notes, I, I, there's a passage of Scripture that these are just the words of Jesus. And this is one that I've studied and struggled with and tried to implement in my life that I think it's one of the most difficult ways to prove that we listen to God. It's by serving. The context is that Jesus' closest followers, his disciples, are arguing over who's going to get the best seat in heaven. They're just, there's an argument. In the book of Matthew, it actually says the brother's mom came and said, can my boys have the left or the right? In the book of Mark, it doesn't have the mom there, but it has the brothers arguing. And we all get this. We've all argued over the best seat. You know, Nobody came in here and sat behind a pylon. You know, When you're a teenager and you're going to a car, what do you yell? Shotgun. Because you want the best seat. Because if you don't sit in the front You're going to be in the trunk, and you're going to roll around like a marble in a bathtub. You know, something like that. you got to have the best seat. And in the midst of that, Jesus calls a timeout. And watch what he says. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, can we have the best seat, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it should be different if you have a pen those are your words to underline but among you it will be different followers whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant whoever wants to be first of you must be a slave of everyone else for even the son of man now he's referring to himself came not to be served but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many serving is what sets us apart you know that somebody is listening to the voice of God when they're serving in their life. We don't love this language. I mean, th- did anybody notice the slave language in there? That's, that's kind of gross language. Anyone who wants to be first must be a slave of a slave. Ah! I'd rather be forced to watch the Kardashian marathon, you know, than, than a, be a slave. This is America. We're free. We're, we're not slaves. We hire people to do our slave type work. That's, that's a you know, 1600s term. But here's the important difference slaves were captive. Slaves were captive to an evil, inhumane system created by humans. The important difference is you and I were free, we're spiritually free. We're adopted as heirs of the king. We're invited into a spiritual system known as the kingdom of God, a kingdom where there are not captives forced to serve against our will, but free. And through that freedom, we serve others. And so there is always an opportunity for you and I to serve. There is always an opportunity. And if you have not developed that serve muscle, start small so small. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 10. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Friends, that's what we're doing today. We're giving a cup of cold water to our community because we are people who want to hear God's voice and we want to do it. So today, Jesus says, hey, I'm the good shepherd, and I love my sheep, and I want to speak to them and guide them to greener pastures because I want the best for you. Listening is not for the spiritually elite. Listening to the voice of God happens when you and I draw near to him. So let's draw near to him, okay? Let's pray. And you might respond by drawing near in, in, in times of quiet, maybe in this Time as we move into some song, that you just need to still your heart and be quiet. Maybe you need to come up here and be prayed for. You might respond by by writing a sin that you're living with and living in. Write it and, and roll it up and put it on that prayer wall. It's just a, a physical way to give that to God. Jesus, thank you that you call us to be different. I pray for those in here who uh, struggle to hear your leading, your prompting, your guiding. For those that are trapped, would you free them? Give us the courage to be people who seek that freedom. Thank you for making it available to us by dying on the cross in our place. pray in your name.
1: So as Pastor Doug was speaking, he was talking about getting a sense and uh, being obedient. And I believe that God was speaking to me while I was sitting on the chair. And I I just want to be obedient to what he was saying. Uh, So I believe that somebody in here, I don't know who it is, but they need to hear this. So I'm just going to read it if that's okay. And if this is you, please receive it. So God's willingness to work in your life is not dependent on your level of spirituality, nor your faith in believing you are loved. He will work in spite of your failures, your mistakes, or your doubt. He sent his Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside all of us, not just the super spiritual or the super faith-filled believers, but all of us. It's your choice to welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart to allow God to work in your life, it's not about being qualified to be a vessel, it's about your willingness, so are you willing, are you willing to serve, and I just wanted to welcome you, if you are willing, why don't we stand and let's welcome the Holy Spirit into our hearts, let's be obedient.